All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here that's joining us at our main campus, and also welcome to all of you guys that are joining us online. So uh, if you weren't with us last week, I'll give you a little bit of a catch-up. Uh, we're doing Intentional Christmas, and uh, this started, we did this series uh, quite a while back, and it started with this idea, is like over the Christmas season, I want to teach about something that's kind of a reflection of my heart, and it was this love-hate relationship with Christmas. Um, so the whole idea that obviously I love Jesus, but the whole Christmas season thing was, uh, at least in our family, got a little out of hand. You know, there's so many get-togethers and so much pressure to get, you know, uh, and again, I'll just give you a little of my family history. Like you go and you, you're invited to family get-togethers, and I don't know if anybody else has this. Like you never talk to these people in all of your life, but then you have to go sit around a table with them. <laughs> And somehow it was like, it's just going to be good. You know, like I'm going to take another day to sit with people that I've never talked to all year long, but I have to take a Saturday, you know, to go do that. That's why I always told my wife this. You know what the greatest thing about feeding cows is? It's a good excuse not to go to family get-togethers, right? <laughs> Sorry, the cows have to be fed, you know? But there was, again, it was just this whole idea that sometimes in that Christmas season, the intentionality, you know, of really coming back and saying, like, this is the reason that we celebrate, and this is what we want our kids to see, because that was the other part of it, is, like, we get done with all of this, you know, and your kids open gifts, and it's like, it was or wasn't good, or it was good, and then they forgot about it within a week, and I'm like, I think we missed the whole point, right? So what do we do over the Christmas season as a church, and maybe as people, right? Because I think sometimes during the Christmas season, you know, we, we tend to get so busy that intentionality kind of goes out the window, right? So what do we do as a church? What do we do as individuals? And what do we do to help you get it done? Because the big thing for us was we can say all we want, but here's the reality. You know, you get up and you listen to a Sunday morning message, and usually by lunch you forgot it all about it anyway, you know, or by the next day you've kind of forgot what we talked about. And so the idea is we want to give you tools. So when we say, hey, we want you to be intentional, so we're going to give you something to go out and do it. So each week that you're here during Intentional Christmas, we'll be like, here, so this is what we talked about. Can you go out and do it? So last week was, we need to be intentional about valuing other people, that we have this tendency at times to uh, become selfish by nature, you know, and so to be intentional during this season, to remind ourselves that the only thing that matters in the end you know, just when, even when Taylor said there's only 13 days left till Christmas gave me anxiety for the first time ever because <laughs> I never bought Christmas gifts ever before, so I didn't really care, like, when the get-together was because Sherry had it all done, you know, and so now I'm thinking, and I still don't have anything done, you know, and our Christmas is this coming weekend, you know, but this idea, like, I got to remember in the midst of all of this, what the kids are going to remember is not what I got them, but how intentionally we invested in the lives of other people, right? Or the memories that we can make together. Because remember, at the end, every gift that we give, not that it's not great, but it'll all burn up, right? So it's all stuff that's gonna be gone someday, but the relationships that we build and the things that we do to value others, it can start with our wives and our children, will last forever. And that when we stand in front of Jesus someday, it will be the thing that matters. And so even in the midst of all the chaos and the pressure to get the gifts and get all the food ready and get all that stuff done, it was a reminder, take this Christmas season to do intentional things to remind yourself we should value people over everything else. Okay, so that was last week. This week is generosity, right? So... We also know this, and when I say we, most of the time I'm talking to myself, so whether you're in this we category or not, you know, you can join in or maybe you can be like, no, I've never had that problem before. But the issue for us always was, you know, like how much money do you really spend at Christmas, right? Like this whole idea of, you know, I'd get the budget and I'm like, that's what we're really spending on those suckers? That's a lot of money. I mean, they play with boxes, you know, when the kids were little, like they opened it and threw it away and they played in a box all day long. So I'm like, dude, can't we just get them boxes, you know, and let them play in their boxes? You know, so I would just go through this and we'd have this internal struggle, you know, but we need to do this because it was important. You know, you got to have all these gifts under the tree. And then I would get the credit card bill in January and I'm like, see, I told you this was a terrible idea. 
right? Because now you have to think about, then money comes into it. Like it was all fun and games until you had to pay for it all, you know, to be able to get it done. And so there's this idea that money at times gets tight during the Christmas season or just doesn't get tight and you put it on a credit card and then it gets tight after Christmas, right? So either way, usually during the Christmas season, money comes up, right? And so the idea that we're going to be talking about today is, and this is something that I hope you'll open your heart up to, because if you're a churchgoer, here's one of the things that you know about going to church for a while. Anytime that money is talked about in the church, people are like, hold on to your wallet. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are they going to ask me for? What are they going to do? How much money do they need? You know, or the church is just all about money. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times that's where people's minds go when it comes to money because they've been in church and they've experienced that before. Here's what I want you to open your heart up to because here's what scripture really says. If you open your heart up to this idea, money will reveal the state or the condition of your soul. Okay? What you do and how you handle money will reveal to you the condition of your heart and the condition of your soul. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke 12. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. Here's my challenge, though, and I said this to you last week. One of the great things about reading Scripture is understanding the context. So if you read around Scripture, it helps you understand what Jesus was trying to do. So in Luke 12, one of the things that he was highlighting to his disciples, because remember, in Jesus' teachings, these were teachings that had to last or prepare them for what was to come, right? So all of these teachings were to say, I'm going to use a life circumstance to teach you about something that's going to come up in the future. So for most of the disciples at that time, they didn't have the problem. Jesus just knew the problem was coming, right? So for any of you that would sit here today and we talk about money and generosity and you're like, don't have that issue, that's okay because Jesus understands you will someday. At some point, there will be something that will come along in your life that will challenge and or test your heart and your soul, and what tests it is money, right? So he said that that's coming. So he starts off in Luke 12, and he says, you know, one of the things I hate, and I was with him on this, I hate fake people. Anybody else in that one? You know what I mean? The people that will say something to your face and stab you in the back to somebody else. Like you want to slap those people silly, right? Like they don't have enough guts to just say to you what they want to say. So around everybody, they're just like, oh, things are so good and you're so great. And then they go talk to somebody else and it's so different. So Jesus is talking about hypocrites, right? And what he got on to was a, uh, a big reveal when it came to people's spirituality, Right, and so, so maybe some of you guys can relate with this personally, or maybe you can relate with this in somebody else. He would say to these people, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. Right, that's what he would say. Like, lots of spiritual people can say spiritual things, right? But the way that they live their life shows that their heart is far away. Right? So that's what he would say. This happens a lot, he would say, in the religious world. In the religious world back then, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees could recite what Scripture said, and they were very good at reciting it to you to tell you how bad you were. Right? So they would be like, look at this Scripture, and because of this Scripture, this is why you're terrible. Right? So they could, with their lips, it looked like these people have to be close to God because they know the whole Torah. Or for them, that was the Bible back then. It's like, they know the whole Torah. But Jesus says, like, be careful because there are going to be lots of people. Now, I want to make sure you hear this. Lots of people who honor me with their lips, but when they stand in front of me someday, I will say, away from me, you evildoer, because I don't know you. Religious activity or talking with your mouth and being religious is not what Jesus says he wants. There's plenty of those people. Plenty of people who will give lip service to the gospel. He would say this, very few people have connected these two dots. This is what I say, and this is what I'm going to do. What I say is what I'm going to do, right? That's what he just says about religious people, and I think we can all relate with that, right? I mean, one of the problems in the church today is you hear this from people who are outside the church. 
People inside the church say a lot and do, yeah, nothing or a little, right? Like there's this huge problem for people from the outside looking in because they've heard the story before. They've heard you talk, right? You sat around a table and you talked about church or you talked about what you're reading in the Bible, but then the rest of your life has zero reflection of it. In fact, I said this in our men's group the other night, my greatest fear and this has a lot to do with the way that I preach. My greatest fear is that you would sit in this room and that you would walk out of this place and somehow be deceived in what the expectation of Scripture is and the gospel. And that when you get to the end of your life and you stand in front of Jesus and he says, away from me, I'd be like, this is partly my fault because I sugarcoated what it said. Right? So the way that I preach, whether you like this or don't like it, is you know, I'd rather err on the side of you being mad today than you being mad when it can't change, right? Because when you stand in front of him, there's no second chances, right? You don't get a redo in life when you stand in front of him. So I would rather say if it upsets you, good. <laughs> Just use it as an opportunity, you know? You can even be mad at me. I would rather that happen today and cause you to evaluate your life than I would for someday in your life to, to, to miss out because you were misinformed, right? So Luke 12 then goes on and says, like, here's the thing that we're going to talk about because this is going to help you. So you want to know the one of the best ways to figure this out? Let's talk about money. You want to know if you're a faker or not? Let's talk about money. Money throughout all of Scripture, whether you want to hear this or not, is the most talked about subject in all of Scripture, right? So you can say, well, we like to talk about this or this, but... Jesus talks about money, and the reason is, is because he knows that it reveals something. And this is what we know about money. Money is just a commodity that we trade for what we value. Right? Think about this. If I said to you, here is $1,000, just use this. Don't think too hard because you're in church. Like, think about this. If I gave you $1,000, what immediately goes to your mind that you would buy or do? Right? And what immediately comes to mind is usually what you value. This is what I want, right? Like we've all had these ideas. Remember I told you the story when, when I didn't have any money and if, you, if I just had the money, I had a plan of what I was going to do with it. You know, I started out making $15,000 a year and I thought if you can just make 30 and then you just make 60. Anybody else been down this road and it's never enough? You know what I mean? Every, every marker is just like, Wow, what the world happened, you know? But in each one of those, it was like, if I got this commodity, which is money, I would trade it for this thing. So you could just put whatever your list is. I'm going to get a house, or we're going to get a vehicle that actually runs. Instead of having 11 of them that are junk, we'll just have one that actually runs. You know what I mean? So we'll, we won't have to have all these things that five of them are getting fixed. We can actually have one that will run consistently. Or we're going to go from living in the trailer to living in a house. Or we're going to, you know what I mean? Like, just put your list to it. Or you used to have a four-wheeler pasted to my um, refrigerator all the time because once I finally got money, I wanted a four-wheeler, right? And I wanted to be able to do that. So you see what I'm saying? Like money is just a commodity exchange. And in the exchange of the commodity, it says, this is what I value, right? So what Jesus would say is, here's a chance, right? Because I've always said, you know, one of the hardest things about preaching and teaching or even being in a small group is you never know the state of a man's heart. Because anybody can say something in a circle, true? Like anybody can sit in a circle and say something. Anybody can sit across a coffee table and say something to you. But do you really know the state of a man's heart? In conversation, do you know the state of a man's heart? No. How do you know the state of a man's heart? The actions of his life, right? Specifically, Jesus would say, what does he do with the commodity exchange of money, because the commodity exchange of money will say, this is what you value. And here's what he says, right? So, so get this. If you take an opportunity today to actually evaluate how you do the commodity exchange, you're going to actually see what you value. And there is a chance that you value the possessions of this world more than you value Jesus. That your treasure is found... Not in him, but in other things. And here's all I want to tell you. Don't be upset about it. Celebrate it and then do something about it. 
right? Don't be mad. Don't walk out of here and be like, oh, he made me feel guilty. You know, we just bought a new car last week. I feel like I need to trade it back in, right? <laughs> don't, don't, that's not what I'm saying. This isn't about guilt. This is about revealing something, right? So don't feel guilty about any of those. In fact, we're going to learn there's nothing wrong with being rich, right? There's nothing wrong with having successful businesses that make lots of money. There's nothing wrong with being entrepreneurs and driven people to be able to do those things, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? What's wrong and what you're going to see is, is what the state of a man's heart is revealed and that wealth has corrupted him, right? Because, listen, I think you'll know this, and if you don't know this, you're going to know this someday. You know, we always think that money will make everything better. Just so you know, money makes everything harder, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, like money's better because it's easier to pay the bills and I don't have to worry about paying the bills, but it's also harder when you have it to give it. When you didn't really have anything, that's what I always said, when we made $15,000, it's not hard to tithe. <laughs> Let's just be honest, that check ain't that big, <laughs> right? But like, I don't have to think that much about giving that away. But when you get up into the higher digits, do you know how hard it is to write that check? Because you know what else you've done? In the midst of getting more money, you've also accumulated more stuff, and with more stuff takes more maintenance and more money. And you see what I mean? So all of a sudden, that check gets a lot more difficult. So my prayer is today for us. When we look at this, Jesus just says, there's a way to fix it. Just be intentional with your money. See it, let it be revealed, and then do something about it. And the danger would be, right, this is the danger, the danger would be that you would walk out of here today with this revelation that my treasure is not in my Lord and Savior and that you would do nothing about it because he revealed something about your soul and you chose to say, I don't care. Okay, so when we get into this, when we look at this, don't allow apathy or fear, those two things keep people from doing things, right? apathetic, I heard the message, it's too difficult, it's too hard, I don't want to do it. Or when it comes to money, like I've never lived this way before with my hands open, and so I'm kind of fearful that it all runs out. But I ever been there before? Like I didn't have any money, and I finally have money, and I'd like to keep it. A few of you, right? Like you, ha you didn't have it, and it wasn't that big a deal, now I have it, and I'm like, man, I've been looking at that savings account, you know how it just keeps going like this? You know, but I got to keep it up there because there's some security in your savings. Amen. Right? There's some security in saying, well, there's some left. And, I'm, and, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong to have savings, but you see what I'm saying. Where is your security? Is your security in your savings account or your 401k and what you have put back is your security in Jesus? Sometimes we get it mixed up in the middle of that. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. So here we go. This is going to be Luke 12. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So in Luke 12, we'll look at this idea Jesus is bringing up, talking about money. So Luke 12, verse 13. So Jesus is giving this message, imagine this, and he's talking about don't be a faker, don't be a hypocrite, you know, you know, you got stuff that needs to be revealed. And if you can think in the middle of this, all of a sudden out of the crowd, somebody spurts out, hey, right? Can you stop for a second? Like, I know that's important, but I got bigger matters to deal with. Right? Here's the bigger matter. So from the crowd, someone in the crowd said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So preaching about, like, get your heart right, and somebody in the crowd's like, can you stop for a second? Because I know what rabbis do. Rabbis are supposed to figure out issues. And I want you to see what's going on here. The reason this guy wants to interrupt it and get it right is because for the first time in his life, he has a choice about money. Do you see that? So before he didn't have to make any of these choices because he had nothing. And so what Jesus is going to start to highlight in all of our lives, right? You're going to go through and you're going to try to figure it out. And then there's going to be this moment where he's going to test you, right? There's going to be this moment where you come to, I have more than what I need. Where are you at, right? So that's why at this moment, it's an inheritance, right? So this guy, I think like everybody, if you didn't have much money and your parents had a lot of money, I laugh about this all the time. You want to know some of the biggest fights I've ever seen? Let somebody die in the family that has money that didn't give it all away before they left. People who loved each other now would like to slit each other's throat. 
right, when it comes to money. You know what I mean? Because all of the sudden, the inheritance looks like something that's life-changing. Amen? I'm here, and if I just had this, it would completely transform the way that I live my life, right? And so the lie has already started. Because he's now asking Jesus, because there's nothing wrong with dividing the inheritance. There's nothing wrong. Like, Jesus didn't point out, like, you're falsely asking for something that you don't deserve. Right? He didn't say that. He came to this place where now, all of the sudden, when you do have the opportunity, when money is coming up there, something's starting to get revealed. You want your fair share because you think money is going to fix all your problems. Anybody else? Anybody else ever been there? Like, if I just had, if I could just pay off, if there's just this amount, all of these issues that we have in our marriage, we fight about money. If we just had money, we wouldn't fight anymore. And I'm like, oh, my word. How long have you been married? I mean, money ain't fixing nothing, right? Like, money might help mask some problems, but it doesn't fix the heart of the problem, right? But that's what Jesus is trying to reveal. The inheritance reveals something inside of a man's heart, and it's this idea. What does he really trust to change his life? So he brings this up to say to his audience, remember who he's trying to teach, and to the disciples who's saying, like, someday this is going to be a part of your life. When that comes up, just so you know, this is going to reveal something in you, so don't gloss over this, right? So don't gloss over that something is being revealed in your heart because I want to do something about it. So then he goes on and he says... Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said, so he's like, I'm not going to do this issue. I'm here for spiritual reasons, so I'm not going to be the judge of all these things. But I do have something to say to you. Here's what he says. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. So he tells you, listen, for every single person in this room, whether this is you or not today, You better watch out because when money comes, and you better be on guard, when money comes, things are going to start being revealed inside of you. And so you better be on guard. When that opportunity comes, what you do with that opportunity is going to reveal where your heart is, right? So he says, be on guard, right? And so we're going to talk about that. Like, what does it even mean to be on guard? Like, what can we do as Christian people? So I would just tell you this. Inherently, there's a reason that the the most that Jesus talked about in Scripture that's going to be a competitor for your heart is, you can actually say it because we're on this subject. You can't get this one wrong. It's going to be money and possessions, right? So he said, you know why you need to be on guard about this? Because for the rest of your life, I don't care how good you are, the number one competitor for your allegiance to Jesus will be your money and your possessions. So if you're not on guard, just so you know, there will be opportunities in your life where you're going to slip into or back to human nature, right? And human nature always is to forget where the blessing came from, right? Like human nature is always to say, I got this and I'm going to do this with it because I did it and I deserve it and it's my money. That's human nature, right? The flip side of what scripture says and is going to say, and we're going to get to this, is any of it yours? You know, because the church always talks about tithing and I'm like, that's, I always need to rephrase my things. Not that that's dumb, but that's not what scripture says. None of it's yours. I mean, you talk about the whole 10% thing, I mean, and any of it yours anyway, right? Like, none of what you have is your own. You are on this earth as a steward, right? It's with your kids. It's with your money. You are only here to steward what is his and not yours. That's why I always tell people when you're raising your kids, they're not your kids. They're not your children. They're his. And your responsibility is to steward them in the way that he would want them to go, not you, right? So you make a plan based upon what he wants. Well, it's the same thing with your money and possessions. It's not yours either, right? So make a plan that reflects what does God want us to do with our money. So he tells you, 
You're going to have to have an intentional plan for the rest of your life. I don't care how spiritual you are because money was always going to get in the way. So intentionality, have a plan, think about it, be on guard. And then this is what he told them. He said, and he told them this parable, right, because now he's going to try to teach them, like, what this is like. So this is what's happening. Here's the parable, which is a story, right? So parables are stories to teach each one of us. So it says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for your many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God just said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So here's the deal. Let's make sure we're on the same page about this. Was it bad that the farmer had a great year? Was it bad that the farmer made lots of money? No, nothing wrong with that, right? But you know what we're talking about? Here's an inheritance and here's a decision. So here's a farmer and here's a decision, right? Because isn't it funny, like it doesn't talk about in the years past he had all this problem because he was probably like, again, I'm not a, like a grain farmer, but this is probably the case. It's good we could just get by. We could just get by. Farmers, anybody? Like every year, it's just nice. We could make it to the next year and to the next year and next year. And now all of a sudden, we have more. What do we do? Like we've been struggling for so long to get by. Now I have a choice because I have a surplus. Now we finally had a good year. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? Right? And so the guy had to make a decision. In this decision, what did he choose to do? Tear down barns. You're reading the same thing I am. Tear down barns and build new ones. Why? What was he, who was he thinking of? Himself, right? As soon as he got a surplus, because it's not about paying his bills. doesn't say he shouldn't pay his bills. doesn't say he should get all of it away, right? doesn't say any of those things. doesn't say that he shouldn't have made the money. doesn't say that he shouldn't have been wealthy. doesn't even say that God didn't want to honor him for being a hard worker and being prepared and having his business together and all of those things, which we as business people understand. You better have your crap together, right? Be a good businessman to give God the opportunity to bless you. But when he blesses you, now all of a sudden you have a choice. What are you going to do? And in his mind, what Jesus said happened. The first time he got a little bit of a surplus, now he had to make a decision. And his decision was a reflection of his heart. Thank you. We just want to keep you engaged, right? Like it's, it's a reflection of his heart. And Jesus called him a fool. Why? Because he made money? A fool because he even built barns? Why was he a fool? Because that very night, that very night, think about this, he's going to give an account for where his heart and his treasure was. How do you think that's going to go? Like he can say, well, Jesus, I thought about you. Jesus, I, I went to the synagogue and I did and I did and I did. But what did the actions of his life say about him? Who did he care more about? And I know this is hard to say, but who did he care more about? Jesus and other people or himself? Himself, right? He cared more about himself and the reflections of his life revealed something inside of his heart and he doesn't get a chance to fix it. He has to stand in front of Jesus and we already know the end of the story, right? We already know what the end of the story says, don't we? Lots of those people are gonna honor me with their lips. Like you talk through the good times, you know, all these times Jesus was good, but then when it was a chance to show Jesus was good, what did you do? You didn't do anything, so now you're going to stand in front of him. What's Jesus going to say? I mean, run this through your mind. What do you think he's going to say? Narrows the road that leads to life. Very few people are on it. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and lots of people are on it. Why? Because lots of people give lip service. Few people take what they have inside of their heart and translate it into the actions of their life. Be on guard. This is, this is a story where you need to see you're going to be someday. And I know that's probably hard for some of us to imagine. 
you know that you're going to be there someday because you haven't, haven't had there, that be there moment where you had any excess. You know, you had any of the things. But I just want to be, I want to be frank with you. Sometimes we think that when Jesus talks about the rich, that he's talking about people who have a lot of money. Do you know when Jesus talks about the rich inside of Scripture, do you know how he defines rich? Anybody that has more than what they need. Okay, America. Pretty hard for me to look around this room and say anybody in here that can't say they're rich. So that means everybody in here has or will be making this decision. What do I do when I have more than what I need? What do I do? All of us in these moments are going to have to make these decisions. And inside of this, Jesus would say it's going to be a reflection of your heart. And unfortunately, for this man, Jesus would call him a fool because he missed the point. You know what he missed? Where did all the blessing come from to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. So if the blessing comes from God, what would you, should you do with the blessing? Honor what matters to God. This is back to week one. What matters to God? In the end, your barn, which is going to burn up, or in our society, your grain bins that are going to burn up, your put it to whatever you want. You know, they're using farming turn up terminology, but your 401k, you know, whatever you use to store up so that you can be marry someday and not have to worry about money, right? So he says, you're a fool because you stored up all of these things and you didn't do what mattered most, which is people, right? At the end of the day, you built big barns and you, you actually, you built a whole thing that your kids can fight over for the rest of their life. I mean, you just made an instant family divider. Now, again, don't get me wrong. This doesn't happen in every family. I'm just saying sometimes that happens, right, when you've stored up a bunch that everybody can fight over, you know. So at the end of it, he's saying you're a fool because you didn't invest into what's going to matter when you stand in front of Jesus because he doesn't care what your money was or how big your barns were. What he cared about is did you use your money to change the lives of people, right? So he brings that to him, and he says, listen, you're a fool. Now, he transitions us into this idea because Paul always said throughout all of Scripture, if there is no God, do whatever you want with your money. But if you believe that there is a God, you better consider him first. Right? That's what he always said. So if there is a God, then you should consider him. If there's not a God, do whatever you want. Just don't live as if you say there is a God and your life reflects that there is not one. Does that make sense? Like you can say there is one, but don't make the story of your life like he isn't, isn't in existence. And so the way you spend your money says it. Now you transition in, like, how then do we be rich towards God? So if you're sitting out there thinking, like me, every time I read this, I'm like, I got so much work to do. Right? When it comes to being reminded, you know, how I spend my money and what I do. So how do we be rich towards God? Well, Jesus doesn't just leave him there. He comes back and he says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. You know what he starts with? If you want to be rich towards God, you got to get your mind right, and you got to remember these things. God is the author of life, and he is the giver of all things, and the taker of all things, and you have no control. I'm just telling you, I've lived this. You want to have control of your life, and you know, you want to have control of how long you live. You want to do all those things. I'm not in control of that. We already know. We don't know your days. You don't know how soon that's going to happen. You don't know what that relationship looks like. And I've lived this too. You know how it is. You can have it all build up and you can think you have money and then all of a sudden in a moment it goes away. It does. I mean, if you've lived this life, you know these things. In a moment you could be here and in the next week, something could happen, especially in the farming lifestyle, and something could happen, and all of that that you put back could all be gone, right? And it could all go away in any of those things. So he's saying, if you want to start, start with this. Why is it that we can live a life without worry and without anxiety? Why? Because who's in control? If you haven't settled this in your heart, the rest of this will be really hard to do. If you haven't settled that God is sovereign and in control and that he is in charge of everything and that everything that happens in your life is filtered through the hand of God, you're going to struggle to ever get to this place on what do I do with my stuff. 
You got to start with a mindset. The mindset is he's in control. Then he goes on and says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink and do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father who knows uh, that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you and uh, be given to you as well. And so he says again, here's a reflection, who's in control, and then this is a reflection of how you handle your wealth is a reflection of your faith. So if you want to get to the place where you're going to be rich towards God, you've got to be honest with yourself. How you're handling your money today is a reflection of where you are. Just don't stay there. Right? Because you can't outgive God. You're like, well, I'm pretty generous. Well, I don't know. Just then ask him again. Should you be more generous, right? So how should you look? Because it gives us opportunity to say, because you know sometimes generosity doesn't even become an act of faith anymore. I've said this, you know, you know how the, like what you give just becomes another budget line item? Nobody's shaking. You're shaking. I just, I know it from personal experience, right? Personal experience says, I worked into my budget what I'm going to give, and it comes out every month, and, and it goes in, and, you know, I'm happy. But do you know at the end of the day, there might be some times where God's saying, you know, giving is to challenge your faith, not just a number. Right? The whole idea of giving is to say, the gift then makes me think, okay, <laughs> that one hurt, Right? Or that one is a little bit more than the budget said. So I should probably have to think through who I'm trusting because I don't even have to trust him in the midst of my budget because I made a budget. Right? Like I did these things. So the end of it, he's saying, could be a reflection, take an opportunity to look at it. Then he goes on and says, and don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you uh, the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves so it will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief, thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Right? So the last part of it is, and the band's going to make their way up. Here's the last part of it. Take an opportunity this week. You know, last week I said take an inventory of looking at your life, get to the end of your day, and ask yourself at the end of the day, did I do anything to value people? So that was last week. So I said, every person should take an opportunity because we say we want to value people, but then we get to the end of our week and we're like, what happened to all of our time? Anybody in that busy lifestyle, right? Like you get to the end of it and you're like, how was your week? And you're like, uh, and this is the usual response, busy. With? Well, you know, the busy stuff. Right? Like you go back through it and you're like, wow, it's such a crazy week. I hardly remember anything that went on. So I just said, here would be a chance. If we want to say that you want to value people, get to the end of each day. If you can't do it each day, do it at the end of the week and go back and take an inventory. Right? And does my inventory show that I value people? I hope some of you took an opportunity to do that because even for me, it was eye-opening how I got to the end of my days and like, well, I suck today. Like, that wasn't good. You know what I mean? Like, I got busy in all of these things, and I forgot about what matters most, right? So, man, I got to think about these things. I got to remember these things, because it doesn't matter. Naturally, we're going to keep going back. So, here would be the other thing I would ask you to do. Take an opportunity, and I don't know if it's this month or, you know, this week or whatever you do. Take an inventory of your money. The flow of your money will be, right? Flow of our money reflects what we value, Right? Please say yes, because that's what we talked about in the beginning. And if we lost all that, then we're going to have to bring it all back together. The flow of your money reflects what you value. Take a look at the flow of your money. Just look at it, right? Just take a look at it. Take an opportunity and look at it this way. God, without any preconceived notions, without anything about anything, I'm just going to open my whole heart to you, and I want you to reveal if my heart is wrong. If the flow of my money isn't where it's supposed to be, I want you to reveal it, and I want you to show it to me, because I don't want it to be too late. I don't want it to be too late. I don't want to wait till I get up there and then all of a sudden be like, crap, I don't have another choice, right? Allow it to be what it is. 
And if he convicts you, good. Right? If he convicts you, that's a good thing. You know why? Because he at least cares enough to speak to you. You hear me? Conviction's not a bad thing. In fact, I would say it's a good thing because it means he's still speaking. It means that your heart's really open because when your heart's really open, he's speaking. He just is. That's the way that it works. If you're just going to say it as lip service, you're like, I don't hear anything from God. He might say because it's lip service. If you really open up your heart and say, God, I'm going to look at the flow of my money this week. I'm going to look at the flow of my money this month. I'm going to look at the end of my year, and I'm going to see where I'm at, and I'm going to decide, is the flow of my money, if it was a reflection, if somebody from the outside looked at this, how, what would they say that I value? Like if somebody from an outside source came in and looked at the flow of your money, would they stand back there and say, wow, you value so much other people. You value so much the kingdom of God because I can see it in the exchange of the currency which I've given you, right? And if you can't, or if they can't, that's okay. Just change it. Don't let it be too late. So I'm gonna give you some application, and then we're gonna give you uh, the tool here at the end. If you wanna work on being generous, here's one of the things that I would consider. If you wanna work on the flow of your money or you want your heart to be revealed, my, my suggestion to you is, is you can use the Bible app for this. You can go get it from any, you know, Bible study, you know, any devotional type. Take an opportunity for a month to study what Scripture says about money. Just take a month. Open it up, read what it says, and allow God to reveal things to your heart. Okay? Here's the second. You know why it's so hard to be generous as an adult? Because you never learned as a kid. Parents, Please. Can you teach your kids not to be selfish? Can you teach your kids kingdom perspective from their time that they're this small? Like we gave our kids an allowance from the time that they were small, not so they could buy more matchbox cars, right? They had that little crown financial bag, give, save, live on the rest. And so they had to take it every time they got their allowance and divide it up. And at the end of their week, they would have to take their giving money. You know how hard this is as a kid who wants a lot of stuff? And they'd have to take that money, and they'd have to take it to their Sunday school, or they'd have to take it to their church, or they would have to go to an opportunity and say, I'm going to give this. Or they'd have to give it to a friend. They would talk about, here's a friend that's in need. Then you go meet the need. You go give your friend money. You be Jesus to that person because you decided right up front as a child never going to let money control me. So you learn this from the time that you go up. The other part is, is that, you know, the way to get out of being greedy, be generous. You know how hard it is to be greedy when you live with open hands? You know, I've always said this, it's not my farm, it's not my business, it's not my church, and it's not my money. God, if you want it, you can take it because it's all yours to begin with. I'm only going to be obedient through all of this, but I'm never going to live with closed fists because closed fists, you know how hard it is to pry your hands off the things that you think are yours. But if you live with open hands, you will come to this place in life where you realize nothing belongs to you and God's going to say, I want to use you. Because when your hands are open, do you know how you can affect the kingdom? In an incredible way. So we're going to help you. I know in the normal part of this message, you're, you're waiting for me to say, now get out your checkbooks and write a check because we want to be able to take your money and give it to other people, so be generous, right? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what's called reverse giving. So we've decided as a church to give away $20,000 to you, okay? So each one of you today and your family, so one envelope per family member, here's what we want you to do. We're going to give you $50, and we want you to take that $50, go home, pray about either that you will add to it or you will just take it and you will pray that God will open up the need of somebody that you know and that you will give them that $50. Because we don't want there to be any barrier. If we're saying be generous, well, we're gonna help you be generous. We're gonna take that $20,000, we've divided it up, we've put it in envelopes. So we want you to be able to take that because we never want the church to be Jesus to people because you know who Jesus is to people? You. The church should never be Jesus. We want you to be the, get the credit because you are Jesus. The church can never be that to anybody. Amen? You are. 
you in this moment of Christmas will have an opportunity to say, I want to give you something because I want to be Jesus in your life. And so you can either add to it. The other thing that we'll have, so if you're online, um, you can, uh, there'll be envelopes at the cafe that you can pick up. You can talk to Jennifer. She'll get you envelopes. So if you're online, we don't want to, you know, uh, take you out of this. So you can come to the cafe. We'll have some left. And or um, you can get a hold of Jennifer, and Jennifer will get those to you. So just make sure you don't feel like you're not a part of this. But you guys that are here, the same as we did last week, I'm going to ask you to stand. And what I want you to do, so you can go ahead and stand up now. So what I want you to do is I'm going to pray over you. But during this last song that we're going to sing together, intentionally, I want you to take a step out of your seat. And I want you to come to the front as a representation to say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to take this opportunity to be intentional about what I do with money. And so I'm going to take this envelope. I'm going to pray over it. The other thing that we have is, is that we have the guy that sells the flags here. He makes flags and then sells them. And then he uses that money to give it away. So we also have how many Kroger gift cards? 34 Kroger gift cards that you could, if you don't have anything to add, we will have those up here too, where you could take your envelope, put the Kroger gift card in it. If you know that that would be good for somebody, you could put that in it. And then we take it back. And we as a church and a church family are praying that you'll have an encounter this week. That your envelope, that your prayers, that your generosity is going to sow Jesus to a world that needs him desperately. Let me pray for you. So, Heavenly Father, we just come to you today knowing that money is always going to be an issue of our lives, Lord. We know that we just need to live with open hands. We need, we need to be honest today, Lord, that the reflection of how we exchange the currency of money is a reflection of our soul and the condition of our soul and our heart. So, Lord, I just pray that you unveil it today. Let it be what it is. Let us have enough courage to just let the, the walls come down and let you reveal the condition of our soul and the condition of our heart. But Lord, we also pray that once that is revealed, you'll give us the courage to move forward, that you will give us the courage to be able to take a step out and do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray over these envelopes and the people today that are going to intentionally walk forward and take that envelope, Lord, that they will have a divine appointment, that this envelope and this money, because we know it's not about the money or the envelope, it's about the action of faith. And that we know in the midst of this divine appointment, God, you already have a plan. We already know what you're doing. We already know that you're out in front. You're already working in the life. Somebody's waiting for this gift. Somebody's waiting for this interaction. So, Lord, we're playing for those divine moments. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So as the band keeps playing, Jennifer and Rayanne are going to be up here. So for everybody, one, again, per household and or if you're just a single person, obviously come up and get that. And again, as a reflection of taking a step of faith that I want to be generous, we want you to come up and grab an envelope and then we're going to end with our final song.
have been praying about this intentional Christmas series for a really long time and, you know, really excited about like God using us, right? To be able to say, we're going to make some changes. We're going to do some things. And this week is no different. You know, we want to, we're excited about what's going to happen this week or over the next few weeks as you allow your heart to be open to generosity and your heart to be open to being Jesus to people. And so we want to hear your stories too. Just so, you know, give us feedback. If you see this on staff or, you know, you want to send us an email, like this is what God's doing. We'd love to be able to share those stories, you know, of what God's doing and how he's working in the midst of that. So we'll be praying for you this week and the coming weeks that God will continue to use you in amazing ways. So thanks for joining us online and thanks for joining us here at the main campus. And we'll see you guys next week.